0: This morning's scripture reading is from the New Revised Standard Version, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but they doubted. And Jesus came, and he said to them, This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Uh, Once again,
1: thank you for your patience with our technical difficulties. It seems like our remaining screen is giving us some trouble this morning, but that will not be a problem for long, right? Oh, that was operator error. Okay, thank you for that confession. We appreciate it. Let's take a deep breath. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight this morning, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It probably will not surprise you that our three-year-old has quite the imagination. On some days, she can fly. On other days, she has an animal tail. Sometimes she is a dentist. Other times, she's a beautiful princess. Sometimes she's a puppy. But my favorite moments are when I ask her, what's your name? Olivia Kay!" She will say proudly because she knows who she is, even though we're still working on the pronunciation. Olivia K. She is named after her grandmother, whom she never met. Jason's mom, who died before Olivia was born. I, too, was named after a woman I never met. My dad's grandmother. Natalie shares a name with a family member. Augustus is named after the first Felts to come to America from Germany. Jason is named after a literary hero. So many of us bear names that hold a significance to the people who named us, but they have even greater meaning in our shared language. Jason means healer. Amy, beloved. Natalie refers to Christmas Day. Augustus means magnificent. He loves to hear that. And Olivia means peace. Ironically, sometimes. Names matter. They mean something even before we bear them, and they, they become associated with who we are and how we interact with others, how others experience us. And maybe that's why we find at least 30 names for God in our holy text. Many of the names for God that we find in Scripture describes some action of God, such as Elohim, which means creator, or Adonai, which means Lord or master, or El Roy, which means the one who sees. Perhaps the most well-known is Yahweh, or I am. It speaks to the power of God's very being, God's self-existence. It's how God identified, self-identified to Moses in the burning bush. That's such a famous encounter because it shaped Moses' understanding of God, and it continues to shape our understanding as well. And this is exactly how the notion of the Trinity evolved. Today is Trinity Sunday. It always follows Pentecost. It's Trinity Sunday. Now, we can't find the word Trinity in our Bible, but we can find repeated references to the work of God as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, like the statement that Jesus made in the passage that Sherry read for us this morning. Now, you might prefer the language of creator, redeemer, and sustainer, and that's okay. Either way, the concept of the Trinity was formed in the early centuries of the church to describe the idea that God is by nature relational not only working in the world in at least three distinct ways, but as three distinct beings, mysteriously connected in love and in grace as one. God is three and one. God is one and three. We have spent millennia trying to make sense of this claim and failing. It's not because our analogies are bad. We've got some really good analogies. Our God is like... H2O, a substance that can reach us as water or ice or vapor. Our trinity is like a three-leaf clover with each leaf representing one person. Or God is like an apple with its peel and the flesh and the seed. All are apple, but they function a bit differently. Or a banana, which is one piece of fruit, that can be divided into three equal parts when you press down on the top. Or maybe God is more like an egg with yolk and the white and the shell, each offering a function that serves the whole. We like our food and plant and water analogies, but they don't really get to the relational aspect of God. So some people relate the idea of the Trinity to a human being and the different kinds of relationships that we can have We can be someone's parent and someone's child and someone's friend all at the same time. Any of these analogies can help us understand the many ways that God functions in the world and in our lives. But what they can't do is fully describe how God is able to function as all persons of the Trinity at the same time. One unit of H2O cannot exist as water and ice and vapor in the same moment. My scientist is checking. She's, I, I'm double checking, that's right, correct? Okay, yeah. She, looked, she paused for a second, so I wasn't sure. <laughs> the leaves of the clover are individual, but they're connected by the stem. It's a similar situation with the banana, and all parts of the apple are apple. But the peel is not the seed, and the seed is not the flesh. The same situation with the parts of an egg. And while a human being can have several relationships at one time, the roles are distinct. I cannot be the child of my mother and her parent. The difference here is that God exists as all parts of the Trinity all at the same time, and all parts of the Trinity function in all of the ways they all create, they all redeem, they all sustain. That means at some point our analogies break down. That doesn't mean they're not helpful. The analogies, they get us to a certain point. They get us to the edge of the mystery. But mystery, by its very definition, is something that is difficult to understand, at some point impossible to explain. As human beings, it's in our nature to try to understand, and I think that's why we find so many names for God in our Bible. But did you notice that Jesus never sits down and gives this full lecture on the different names of God? It doesn't work that way. What he does instead is connect the identity of God and our own identity to baptism Now, we speak of baptism as an outward sign of God's grace at work in us, claiming us as the children of God. And we find a bit of mystery here, too, because we know that baptism is not what saves us. But there is something unique about the way that the grace of God reaches us through the water in this ritual. And it is one of only two sacraments in our tradition. So here... In what we call the Great Commission, in Matthew 28, Jesus connects baptism with the work of those who would follow him. Go, he says to his friends, who are standing amazed in the presence of the resurrected Jesus, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We call this the Great Commission because the disciples are being sent out They're being sent out to share the good news. And we we understand that that charge extends to us. We are also sent out to share the good news. We are supposed to be making disciples. That's the true mission of the church. The United Methodist Church describes this mission as a call to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. The idea is that people who are being changed by the grace of God can change the world. We at Morningstar talk about this mission as pointing people to the grace of God that we find in Jesus through inspirational worship, radical inclusion, and the alleviation of suffering. And our hope is that as people connect with God's grace here in worship and in study, we are reinforced in the idea that everyone belongs, and we can't stand idly by and watch people suffer. So the mission of Morningstar supports the mission of the United Methodist Church, which is grounded in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, to make disciples. Now a disciple is a follower, a student, someone whose job is to learn and to grow. Beloved, we are called to be disciples who make disciples. That's the purpose of the church. And it goes beyond gathering together once a week, beyond studying for our own understanding, and even beyond serving others. Because honestly, any civic club can do those things. We're not a social club. We're the church, and our purpose is to make disciples. At Morningstar, our path of discipleship is pretty simple. It consists of worshiping together, either in person or online, participating in our own spiritual growth with others in a Bible study or a small group, and serving our community. We call it a path, but it's not linear. It's cyclical. It's something we all do over and over and over again. And each of us really needs to be doing something, at least one thing, in each of these categories for our own continued growth and development as disciples who are equipped to make disciples, who are equipped to disciple others. Somewhere along the way, disciple became a noun and a verb. As disciples, we are called to disciple others and to be discipled by others at the same time. It's a trinity of sorts. We cannot teach others all that Jesus commands without being willing to be taught ourselves. And so here at Morningstar, we are committed to worshiping and studying and serving together in a way that invites others to encounter God in real time, because that's what disciples do. And we're not just followers of Jesus, we're children of God. That's the claim of our baptism, it's our identity. We are the children of God in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So I'm wondering, beloved, what's in your name? Do you know? What does your name mean? Do you know? You can look it up. Uh, Shannon, that's great. If you don't know, get your smartphones out. You won't get in trouble. You can look up your name right now. I would love to hear your name, your name and what it means. And then also, if you're online, just put those pieces of information in the comment section. Christy. Christy, follower of Christ. Christ. Beautiful. What else? Shannon? Shannon? (laughs) Shannon, which is a gender-neutral name, means possessor of wisdom. Possessor of wisdom. Those of us who know Shannon know that that is true. What else? What does your name mean? Carol. Carol means a song. Yes, of course. Christmas Carol, right? Carol means a song. Judy. Judy means truth. Owen. Oh, it means young warrior. Absolutely. Did I see some names, uh, some hands over here? Yes, Betty. Say it again. (laughs) I love it. Betty Davis, a great actress. Yes, absolutely. It's spelled the same way, right? Yeah. Anybody else? Lainey. What does it mean? I just... Bright light. So, Lainey, sometimes I have trouble with background noise. And I thought you were saying right leg. <laughs> and I was like, that, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> that's right, right and left. Bright light. Lainey, you are a bright light. Anybody else? Yeah, Carter. Soldier. Sojourner. Sojourner. Ah, it's good. Or traveler, yeah, of course. Tourist. (laughs) Anybody else? Our names have meaning. They have meaning. They can remind us that our lives are meant for something beyond our own experiences, but in the end, it's not really about the meaning of our individual names. It's about our identity. We are the children of God and we're disciples of Jesus and we're called to make a real difference in this world together. We can't forget that part. This is our co-mission. We are called to do this together. We are co-laborers in this work. If we forget that, then the task is just too daunting. It is not my job as your pastor to make disciples by myself. It's not. It's our job. Together, to make disciples. It's the work of each of us and the work of all of us. It's the purpose that we share with Jesus. That's the best part. That's the good news. Jesus has not abandoned us in this mission. Remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I am with you. Did you catch it? I am with you. I am, Yahweh, Yahweh, the name that speaks of the essence of God's very being, is with us. So no matter what name for God we prefer, no matter what analogy that we use for the Trinity, the truth is we are not alone. It's that God, the one who creates and redeems and sustains, the one who is self-existent who is with us. And it is only in the name of that God that we could dare to go and make disciples for the sake of the world. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for coming into our lives in so many different ways giving us many opportunities to realize that you are with us, that we are not alone, that you have created and are creating in this very moment, that you have redeemed and are redeeming in this very moment, that you have sustained and continue to sustain us in this very moment and beyond, calling us to center ourselves in the identity that you give us, your children, and reminding us of our purpose to share the good news, to remind others that they are not alone, that they too are children of God and have a shared purpose with us. So encourage us this week as we live out our co-mission In the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, amen.